You are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. And in studio today, we have Brennan and Dave and Jody, and we will hear from Hank and Craig. They are going to talk about Ozark and Reacher and a bunch of other shows. So stay tuned for that. Of course, the big sporting news this week was Super Bowl was on Sunday. So that's happened since our last broadcast. Not very nerdy. Yeah, not really, except for a couple of things. I don't care about the football aspect of the, the jock Super Bowl. is that natural enemy of the nerd. <laughs> well, yeah, in Revenge of the Nerds, that's true. But the Super Bowl always has a good halftime show. So from a music perspective, they usually put on an extravaganza that is pretty awesome. And this year they went star-studded, they went all out, and it's actually been kind of controversial as a result. The Super Bowl halftime show this year was Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar, all performing on this elaborate like reconstruction of Compton set in the middle of the field kind of odd but whatever fine. i thought that was the coolest part it was very cool i thought mary j Blythe was gonna fall off of it i was really terrified for her so there's that but okay to go back to that is the boomers were kind of like who who's who are these young whippersnappers with their music that's so loud and then like the gen xers are kind of like like these, we know who these guys are and they're all right. And then the millennials were kind of like, this is boring. Like, why did you pick these antiques? So there's been a lot of different views on it, but I watched it overall. I would say that I thought everybody did a really good performance. It, it makes sense what you're saying that if the Super Bowl halftime show worked for me, then that means it didn't work for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, I would say probably like the demographic it swings like young and old and kind of not in the middle. So like not us. I don't think appealed to the masses, I, I, I would guess. Will, maybe, this, will this be the last time that a billionaire plays the Super Bowl halftime show? I would not put it past like Jeff Bez Bezos to like actually just say like, hey, I'll do the halftime show just because he can because he could buy his way in, even though he probably has no musical talent. I'm just guessing. I don't know if I would want to watch that, but... Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I think these days, uh, if you can buy a ticket on a space shuttle to go to the moon or whatever, you can probably buy your way into the NFL's halftime Super Bowl show. Up front, the big thing was Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem. But I feel like Mary J. Blige and Kendrick Lamar kind of stole the show. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I was just sort of like, uh-huh. Okay. There next. Okay. 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 Is the 11 minutes over? Okay. Like it was just sort of like, meh, whatever. I, I was not wowed. It was certainly no Prince performance where it actually purple rained. You didn't get that. Well, that's why that's the ultimate version of that performance just like you know if you're ever going to sing the star spangled banner at the all-star game it's always going to be prepared compared to marvin Gaye doing it in la in 1980 and nobody's ever going to reach that prince's super bowl halftime performance same thing that's a bar that's too high 
for even a group of like six or seven people to try to reach. It, it just can't be done. True. It, it did cross my mind. Like, why would Dre bother? Like, why would he do that? But yeah. I guess it's something that you can just like, you know, that checklist of things that few people get to do. He, he got to do that. So yeah, that's kind of cool. What was your Super Bowl experience like, Brennan? Well, I mean, I was cheering for the Bengals because they never won. I was hoping they would, right? It was actually quite an exciting game. They pulled out some really cool passes and things. For the halftime show, I had sort of the same reaction with the demographic, right? If you think about the people that are now at the Super Bowl, those are the people that when Dr. Dre was making straight out of Compton, that was not his crowd, right? Um, but now that's his crowd. Um, so it's, it's interesting how music can evolve from being something that was for the streets, from the streets, and it gets in the, white, it gets in the hands of like white suburban teenagers. And they're the ones that are now like 30 years later watching them at the Super Bowl. The one thing that I did find really interesting is it really shows you the impact that Dr. Dre has had on modern music, specifically West Coast hip hop and how commercial that he has, he has made it. I actually showed the halftime show the next day to my grade eight social studies class uh, because part of the curriculum is talking about pop culture and social change and how the arts and uh, can affect social change. And so I showed the halftime show and I made sure I paused on every new artist and said, okay, so this is Dr. Dre. He was the producer and DJ for NWA, who was one of the first gangster rap performers to really reflect what was happening in his community at that time. And then 50 Cent pops down. Oh, guess who produced his first record? Dr. Dre. Oh, Eminem pops out. My kids are like, oh, we love Eminem. Yeah, guess who discovered Eminem? Dr. Dre. Guess who produced Mary J. Blige? Doc like, he has discovered or produced every single artist who's on that stage. His fingerprints are all over it. So whether you like Dr. Dre or not, as a performer or producer, he made each one of those people's performers' careers that were at the Super Bowl that night. And, and so when you say, why would Dr. Dre do it? One, it was West Coast, right? The, the actual stadium, I think, was in Inglewood, which I think is sort of like one of those, up, not a good area that's sort of becoming up and coming. Even though I looked it up, it's still considered one of the 20, in the lower 20 percentile of most dangerous areas in Los Angeles, right? But it is, people who live there say it feels quite safe, more safe than it used to. But being that it was out West, in my mind, it was Dr. Dre saying, you forgot about Dre. He's like, hey, remember me? Remember how I basically brought hip hop into commercial success? I did all of that and let me prove it to you, right? <laughs> is it total an ego thing for Dr. Dre? Not really. I mean, I think for someone who like literally you know, build his whole career up. I think it was more of a celebration of showing how you can, through music, change your life. Like for me, that's the positive spin on it. But afterward, I thought about it a little bit and there might have been a little bit of Dr. Dre being like, yeah, yeah, remember Snoop Dogg? Yeah, I produced his first record. Yeah, I made him famous, no big D. So I kind of liked it though. Like overall, I thought the show was fine. I don't think it was impressive as other ones like Prince or like even Beyonce. For having so many star-studded performers, it felt somewhat flat. And I'm not exactly sure why, but it kind of did. And maybe that's maybe it was because there was so much to, to focus on. It was almost difficult on focusing on one person, perhaps. I'm not sure. But it was fine. It was cool. Again, I showed my class about it. I got to talk about it. I got to say how much I don't like 50 Cent. So that made me feel good because I've never liked him at all. 
again, if it wasn't for Dr. Dre, 50 Cent probably wouldn't have ever been famous. So, you know, yay for Dr. Dre and Dre beats. I love Dr. Dre, actually, but, uh, you know, whatever. It was fine. It was okay. It happened. We watched it. And next week, we'll forget it happened. There is a flatness to almost every Super Bowl halftime show. I think you're like right on the money there that it's just it's really hard to do that gig and make it jump off the TV screen in the middle of a football game when everybody knows it's going to be over in 10 minutes. We haven't seen too many people do that. And we probably named everybody who has. Yeah. Yeah. It was not the halftime of my life. I'll just yeah. leave like, And again, it wasn't bad. Wasn't bad at all. But again, I don't I don't think it'll be considered one of the, the greats ever. So no. Now you mentioned Snoop, and he had another important role to play at the Super Bowl this year in in your watching experience. So what other role did Snoop fill this year? So Snoop Dogg, besides performing in the halftime show for the Super Bowl, he was one of the hosts and coaches for the Puppy Bowl. So this year was the 18th annual Puppy Bowl. Uh, It's been happening every year on the same day as Super Bowl Sunday. And what it is, it is a way of promoting adoption centers around the United States. So what the Puppy Bowl is, you can probably guess what it is based on the same, is there are groups of puppies that come out onto uh, their field. It's about a 19 foot long football field. And there's toys all over the field and there's team rough and team fluff and team rough had blue bandanas and team fluff had orange or it's the other way around doesn't matter no sorry fluff was blue rough was orange and how you score points is a puppy from one team has to pick up a toy and run across and go into the end zone now sometimes puppies go into the end zone without a toy they don't get a point, or they don't get seven points for it. But if they have a toy in their mouth, they get seven points. Now, sometimes a puppy will have a toy and go back and forth three times and suddenly their team has 21 points. It is one of the cutest things you have ever seen. Like to the point where after, uh, it's now, it's an hour and a half long. After an hour and a half, it's like so much cuteness, you like almost need a nap. You know what I mean? They're all very young. They have all types of dogs and you can tell they're ones from actual kennels and maybe some that need to be adopted. So for, for example, there was one uh, dog that was missing an eye. There was another one that you could tell uh, had part of its ear missing, but it's really encouraging that they're promoting adoption and things. This year, Team Fluff, that was coached by Snoop Dogg, um, won. Uh, Team Rough was coached by Snoop's longtime friend, Martha Stewart. And so they had pep talks with the dogs. They would give them advice before they went onto the field. They have an, an actual referee for puppy bowl um, and they have certain calls. So for example, uh, there's excessive urination on the field. That's a penalty. There's roughing, huh? roughing. There was one dog whose paw just got caught in the other dog's bandana for a couple seconds. So like a whistle was blown and that was considered excessive roughing. And of course, the rough picks up the dog and cuddles it and says, okay, that was excessive roughing. Again, so cute. Excessive licking, I think, is also a penalty. I did a bit of research. They do over 50 hours of taping for this. It takes about three months to prepare. They have like 60 dogs. Every half an hour, the dogs that are in that particular uh, heat get a half an hour break because of the lights and things it's they humanized. have yes exactly yeah they have a they have a dog lawyer um uh, underdog flies in make sure he's does security they have cameras set up in the water bowl 
so they can run up and have a drink anytime. You see them, sometimes they step in it. There's cameras in the toys. But the nice thing is at the end of the episode, they actually show some of the dogs who've been adopted and they go to their homes and they fill them with their forever house. So you see these dogs compete in the puppy bowl and then you get to see them actually in their house. Oh, and every, every dog has stats. They show a picture of the dog. It has its name. It shows it's like 19% this breed, 19, whatever. They all have stats and things. There's an MVP. There was one dog that got the underdog award and he was so shy. He just kind of went into a corner and like wouldn't come out. So he got the underdog award. It was very cute. It's just every year, Super Bowl, Puppy Bowl, same day. So if you don't want to watch the pregame Super Bowl stuff, go watch the Puppy Bowl. It's on Discovery Plus. Uh, it's on Animal Planet if you have cable and Fubo TV, which I don't know what that is, but you can find it. But again, Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart, Puppy Bowl. I don't know what else I can say. Uh, you need to check it out. Okay, I will. It's interesting how the Super Bowl has such pop culture significance. Like it used to be the platform to launch products. Uh, companies spelt, spent millions of dollars on their commercials for that during the Super Bowl. That has, I think, lessened over the last few years. Still pretty expensive. It's still very expensive to show an ad during the Super Bowl. And the one that was significant this year was the Moon Knight trailer was was on there so people were kind of freaking mm. out about that apparently i do want to mention though before we throw things over that we did not watch the super bowl instead we watched black sunday which is a movie from 1977 directed by john frank Hunter, and it is about a group who hijack the goodyear blimp to blow it up at the super bowl so that they can uh, hopefully get the united states to uh, help out palestine yeah, and like the NFL was totally on side with oh yeah, they you know, filmed the product it. placement in this movie. Goodyear yep. was totally on side with their product placement in this like homespun disaster movie. Uh, unthinkable that you know that would happen with you know the specter of terrorism mm -hmm. that we're we're dealing with today. But in 1977, this was all fun and games. This was just like good good fodder for an action film. Yeah. The bad guy, he's you. You kind of root for him. Uh, Bruce Dern is a pilot who's got a little like PTSD from his uh, tour of duty. I'm just and, going on record as saying that no, even like knowing that this happened 45 years ago, yeah. I wanted him to blow up the Super Bowl. You, you, you do kind of root for him. Um, Robert Shaw is uh, the FBI guy trying to prevent this from happening. You might know him from The Sting or Quint from Jaws, and. Written by Thomas Harris of Silence of the Lambs right. fame and score by John Williams of Star Wars and other fame. So it's like star-studded cast, star-studded crew, and really underrated for a movie from 1977. So, you know, if you're tired of Super Bowl or you want more Super Bowl, but now it's over, check out this movie. Okay, we're going to throw things over to Hank and Craig, and then we'll have a little bit of time to put in a few other plugs. Hey everybody, this is Craig Silliphant for Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I'm here with my uh, good buddy Hank Cruz, who's uh, still suffering from a little bit of the COVID, I think, or a little uh, little fatigue, but he's he's dragged himself out of bed and or out of work or whatever he was doing to come I, and I put on clothes this. for you, okay? I got dressed. You're hey, welcome. I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for clothes. 
so we got a couple of shows. We actually have kind of a backlog of stuff, but we're going to just focus on a couple of shows today. So Ozark season four, part one and uh, Reacher season one, uh, we're going to talk about. So let's talk about Ozark. Uh, I mean, I guess setting it up, it's we're in season, this is season four, right? Season four. season four and they went and they finished every episode. They're all ready to go. And then Netflix goes, you know, what's really going to tick Hank off? Why don't we cut it in half? We only show seven episodes. And then the seventh one is going to be a few shocking things in there. And then you're going to have to wait. How long? We're not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you when we're going to put out the second half. What a bunch of jerks. This season, uh, so many cool things have happened. And so many, there was a few shocking things like, oh my God, OMG. I don't know how we can talk about this without spoiling it, but let's like, oh, oh OMG, cut it off at seven episodes. Yeah. Uh, well, and I would say too, like there was definitely some great stuff that happened in these episodes and they were good episodes, but it actually felt like, what was there? Seven episodes. It felt like the first, mm-hmm. maybe five of them were putting things into place that are going to play out. And then maybe the last two, you got some, some good action. So like, I would even argue like the first four or five episodes were kind of like, I'm not going to say lame, but like kind of boring. <clears throat> what I think they should do with some of these shows is like, if there's say 10 episodes of a season you drop nine episodes uh, and then wait like a month or two and then drop that final episode so that everybody has time to like you know the bingers watch it but also the people that move a little bit more slowly and then when you drop that final episode it's just like you know the last night of cheers or or mash or whatever like where you've got the like everybody watching that episode at once and it can become like a water cooler conversation the next day but I think I'm still feeling the effects from COVID. I think I'm hallucinating here. That's the the, the craziest thing I've heard. Oh my God, that's insane. I, I couldn't wait idea. that long. They can't do that to me. Oh. Well, I mean, you wouldn't like it maybe, but uh, I think it'd be a great idea for the shows themselves. Oh. Uh, so, I mean, what can we mention about this so show? For uh, fans of Ozark, you need to watch it. Um, Ruth, again, my favorite character, uh, uh, like uh, Julia Garner is her name, right? Amazing. Uh, she is like the best, but so, so, so many things. And again, yeah, it's setting up for the final seven episodes. Jason Bateman was on, I think, Jimmy Kimmel and said that Netflix won't tell him when they're dropping the other seven, but it's going to be sooner rather than later. And then the internet's told me if they want to be considered for the Emmys, it has to come out before the end of May, because that's oh. when the nomination period ends. So that's interesting. Uh, we'll see. I was kind of assuming like September or something, basically. Uh, uh, and I know that like uh, they just announced Better Call Saul uh, wrapped and has a, uh, a drop date, uh, I think it was in April. And they're doing the same thing, like splitting the season into two parts because this is also the final season of Better Call Saul. So uh, I guess unless they can be nominated twice Emmys for this year for the first half and then Emmys for next year for the second half. Maybe because you could technically count it as two seasons, really. I mean, you know, why is it even why do they even just still call it one season like i don't know, I don't know. it's interesting did you watch yeah. the uh did you watch vikings when it was on i did not so vikings went and their first season is nine episodes uh my wife and i are uh, re-watching vikings i've watched them all she hasn't um they did the same thing where it was nine episodes season one season two season three or ten episodes and then season four they're like well we're gonna do 20 episodes and we're gonna release 10 episodes now and then 10 episodes later well, then why isn't it season four and then season five? Like, right. I don't understand. That's actually the Sopranos did the same thing. Like, depending on who you talk to, there's an extra season of the Sopranos. 
I think it's, is it season seven? I'd have to look this up, but like season, technically season six was the last season, but some people, including, I think David Chase himself, the creator of the show regards it as no, there's actually seven seasons because they did the same thing. They normally were like 10 or 12, 13 episodes. And then they dropped like uh, 20 episodes uh, for the final kind of season or whatever. And, but you know, technically in, in two parts or whatever. So I'm riled uh, up now. I'm riled up thinking about it. how they do that stuff. So I guess we turned a conversation about Ozark realizing we can't give away any spoilers into a conversation about how television uh, drops. And you, uh, and you, and you should watch Viking. So there you go. There's a recommendation. Yeah, it's good. Now there you go. Because Netflix is putting out another Viking series uh, coming up this week or next week that is based on the first series but a little further in the future oh okay. yeah that's i think i saw the trailer for that so one last ozark question mm. do you think that we in order to in, to really like enjoy the show and be satisfied with it do the four main characters not including ruth but the family jason bateman laura linney and the mm. two kids do they all need to survive unscathed as a family unit at the end for us to go okay yeah like because obviously that's sort of been their like the mission of the show since the start right and yeah. so if somebody if jason bateman dies or something does that kind of like ruin that mission uh you know maybe still you know a good episode and dramatically excellent but like do you feel like we need to see all four of these people kind of you know survive and walk away you know unscathed from the i do I do. Uh, for me, in the end, they need to be alive. Now, is the family going to be um, like they were uh, on the very first episode of the series? No. Right. Uh, we've already seen this season, like uh, uh, the son, whatever his name is, he's like doing his own thing and he's being a rebel now and the daughter's getting more involved in the business. And it, uh, I, I think that um, I would be disappointed if any of the four died. But I would also be disappointed if it was a happy ending and oh, they all moved back to where they from Chicago or whatever together. Yeah. And it's all, oh, oh yeah, everything's good now. Tee hee hee. No, no. Like it's going to be like a horrible family dynamic, but they need to be alive. They need to be alive. Okay. Interesting. I, I feel like I want to see them like escape even as a family unit still and get away from the cartel and separate themselves from that. They're alive, they're together and they're, you know, free of the cartel basically to me to really fulfill like, you know, what that season one, you know, yeah. kicked off. So, uh, so we'll see what happens, but uh, it's obviously exciting and, and it'll be fun. Great show. Uh, oh. Let's uh, swivel to Reacher. We got a couple minutes left here. So uh, Reacher is based on the Jack Reacher book series by Lee Child. Uh, the eight episode first season is based on Killing Floor, which was the 1997 uh, debut Reacher novel. Uh, they did announce the series was renewed for a second season, but basically the premise is Jack Reacher is a former U.S. Army military policeman, visits the fictional rural town of Margrave, Georgia, and quickly becomes embroiled in a violent clash with a brutal criminal conspiracy. I will say I tried to read the book before the show came out because I'd obviously seen the two Tom Cruise movies and I couldn't I couldn't really get through the book all the way it's kind of airport trash it's not written very well it's kind of sexist a lot of it and the the story just kind of started spinning its wheels in circles like about halfway through and I just I couldn't even uh, so I'm going to say actually like the show is a lot more fun and I think it uh, you know it still had some of the I think it worked better in episodic tv than reading a book in terms of some of the like 
wheel spinning that that the story did. Uh, so I haven't quite finished the, se- the season yet, so don't. Uh, don't but, oh, good uh, thing you said that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty fun for the most part. Like, I mean, it is kind of a goon show. It's like about this giant goon that beats the crap out of people all the time. But he's also really smart and a, and a good detective, I guess. And I think uh, Alan Richson uh, really brings something to this show. He I've just seen him before in Titans. He played uh, Hawk or Dove, whichever I guess it would be Hawk. Yeah, Dove was the the female and hawk is the male and you know i think he was great on that show too so uh, but i think he really like embodies tom cruise, too? Tom cruise who yeah. this alan guy is jack reacher yeah, yeah it's like sure. oh they they got it right finally because that casting of tom cruise is not good no. you can't have somebody that's like four feet tall trying to play uh, like a, this behemoth of a man that yeah. oh. so but i i used to live my life uh, asking you know like what would jack bauer do or what would vic Mackey do right. well every day when i wake up i go i look in the mirror and i go what would jack richard do and you're like (laughs) pummel them is what he would do um i loved every episode yes some of it's dumb and some of it's a little but i mean like this jack richard he kicks ass all like like it reminds me of like like an 80s action film with uh you know kind of brought up to modern times that it's just like oh my god that jack richard you don't want to you don't want to see him when he's angry <laughs> no exactly so yeah there's a we only have about 10 seconds left here but there's a great scene even in the trailer where he's get kind of confronted by four punk kids outside his room and he's like i'm gonna break three of your hands and one guy's like, but there's four of us. And he's like, yeah, well, one of you is going to need to drive to the hospital. And then he just so proceeds awesome. to do it. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that, that kind of stuff is goony, but kind of fun too. So, so it's on uh, Amazon think, Prime. Everybody watch it. Okay, yeah, it's good. We're out of time. Reacher is fun. We're going to throw back to Jody here and we'll uh, talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks guys. So we got about two minutes, maybe less. One Jelly Marble Maniacs wrapped up this past week. Uh, the winner overall purple rockets well done uh silver went to constrictors and pinkies took home the shameful bronze but uh five events lots of fun uh diving bowling funnels obstacle run and super collision so you might want to check that out on youtube want to put in a plug for mark allard's book came out this week siegfried the dragon slayer we talked about this on punch tv and also on the radio a couple weeks ago brennan you did a review and uh it's in bookstores now so you can get your copy at amazing stories and actually tomorrow saturday mark will be at amazing stories signing copies so you should go get one it's awesome the artwork by jasmine is amazing um really 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 cool so you definitely want to get that and uh, the Delvon Lamar Trio yeah, came out the, with an album this week. Yeah, Cold as Weiss, their third studio album, but their fourth album overall. Just check this band out in general. They, almost every live performance they do gets uh, recorded in its entirety and posted on YouTube the next day. So, it, it, yeah, it, that, that's, that's something new from one of my favorite bands. Okay. Awesome. Um, that was fast and furious. I never thought that we would talk about football so much on this show, but Hey, you know, there you go. What got us through it was not talking about the football. Actually the absence completely of football, everything around the football. Yes. And footballs are not round. All right. That wraps us up until next Friday. You know where to find us here. Punch TV, CFCR 90.5 FM. Keep your dreams up.